0: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight are my lovely and talented co-host, Mr. Eric Smith. Hello. And the lovely, lovely, returning to us, Sarah Buck. Hello. Hello. So, um, also I just have to cap this off, um, uh, at the beginning, but tonight is the final episode of late night with David Letterman Aww. and it's been an emotional one, uh, last couple of weeks, but I just have to make a mention of it because he has been on almost my entire life. 30- oh, it's crazy. 33 years. He started when I was seven. And, um, so it's, it's kind of insane and, uh, it's, it's a nice thing. He's going out on top. He's, it's a very big deal right now. And Jimmy Kimmel actually made me cry with his tribute that he did to him. And if you haven't seen that, go check that out. It's on YouTube. Um, but the good thing is in September we will have the geek that stole my heart (laughs) Stephen Colbert will be taking over, so we will have the, as Stephen Colbert. He will not be a dick this time. He will well, be. He maybe. will be. Well, depends. Depends on your <laughs> um, Pinjollet, I guess.
0: Um, I've never met the guy,
1: but uh, everything I've ever seen about Stephen Colbert, he is not a dick. Um, so he will be. Pl- he will be himself, which is different. And right now, he's got that hot
2: cap- beard beard thing. Yeah, know, the beard just, is. The beard is
1: good. It Ugh. is a good beard. Oh, I want to walk his plank. Um, so, <laughs> dirty. Yes. No, not really. I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, um, so when this airs, um, Letterman's episode will have already been on. Um, so yeah. Um, thank you, Dave Letterman, for just bringing sarcastic, biting wit to late night television because that's awesome. Um. So let's go into our weekend in geek because this episode, um, our discussion topic at the uh, for our last half, the second half of that is going to be the controversy that has been going on in fandom for like the last couple of weeks. We've had some um, stirrups of the poop uh, going on. <laughs> poop stirrups. Poop stirrups. I, I, know, keep, I know. I know. They keep your shoes on. Yeah. But there has been some definite controversy a Bruin in the land of fandom, and it kind of got the uh, the cherry on the cake this week was Simon Pegg and some comments he made, and then he ended up turning around and writing a very well-written, well-thought-out response to people um, shouting it from the mountaintops, he has forsaken his geekdom, and I don't actually agree with that. Um, well, and he doesn't agree
2: with that either. No,
1: no. And uh, we're going to get into that stuff. But I want to uh, um, do a Week in Geek here because we have some stuff going on. And we had some uh, season finales and some, yeah, just a lot of good stuff going on, on TV right now. Um, First off is iZombie, which I don't know if Sarah has given a chance yet to watch. I Uh, have not, but (laughs) in my defense,
2: the WWE is doing a ton of pay-per-views this year. (laughs)
0: So, uh,
2: my my dance card is full.
0: Priorities.
1: Priorities, It's true. Uh,
2: Oiled up men in tiny, tiny pants.
0: Wow.
1: I'm just kidding. sorry <laughs> no I, I respect that um so I Zombie, this episode was uh, it was just mean it was a mean episode in terms of what it did to the characters it, it just it it was definitely a lot less serious or a lot more serious than yeah. others like hardcore poor live
0: poor major
1: and poor major just It just was messed up. And this didn't even have any Blaine in it. This was just horrible stuff going on without Blaine. And that's... um, This is the first time I think I've actually seen a show that allowed a character to... uh, When there's stuff like this going on, when typically it's a supernatural show, and there's a character who doesn't know that they're living in a world that has stuff like that going on, Mm -hmm. and they think they're going crazy, they they, they get told the truth... This is yeah. the first time I've seen the, a character rationalize, no, let them check themselves into a mental hospital. Yeah. And they did.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. I, but, I mean, he does say uh, that's going to be the safest place for him. It's true. Which may be rationalization for not telling him, but it sounds good.
1: No, it, but it kind of is true that he will be safe there. No one, you know, it, they're not going to allow people that aren't on the list to come in. That kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, the Candyman's not going to get in there.
1: Exactly. But Jesus, I've never seen a show allow someone to go thinking they're yeah, nuts. Yeah. Was, and uh, Buffy did it? Uh, yeah, but they've. I've never seen someone allow themselves. So, you know, they did not allow a character to check themselves into an insane asylum, and that's what happened. Uh, so it's it's. An interesting. Oh no! House did that too. Yeah, but that's not a supernatural show. It's true. Well, I mean, but sometimes it got weird.
0: What we're saying for because Sarah doesn't watch it, um, the, the character of Major has been looking for these missing children and dealing with a guy he's calling the Candyman, who is a zombie, and he's seeing all this weird stuff happen. And the Candyman comes after him, and he shoots. The man in the chest, three times, sees his eyes go all red zombie-ish. He leaves the room, uh, calls the cops. When they come back, the guy's gone. There's no blood.
1: There's no evidence. that There's he got no to evidence.
0: So everybody's telling him that he's going crazy, that, you know, this... No one broke into his house. He didn't shoot anybody. There's no weird conspiracy going on. So he... And the cop, Babineau, says, look, if you don't get your head on straight, I am going to forcibly put you into a mental hospital. So okay. he volunteers, and instead of telling him, instead of Liv and uh, her boss, what is his name?
1: Rakesh? Is that
0: him? Uh I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> instead think- of telling him, and typically in these types of shows you think they would go and say, hey, look, you're not crazy. There are zombies. Liv would make her eyes flash red or something to prove it. No, they're like, yeah, let him go into the mental hospital. And,
1: and, and her rationalization for it is pretty intense as well because she says Major just thinks this guy is selling drugs to kids and and kidnapping them uh, and killing them, you know, like... Yeah. He, but what do you think? He, and, and with that, he's gone out, he's using a gun, he's investigating, he's getting arrested, he's doing all this stuff. He He's going above and beyond and going... Extreme. What do you? He's kind, th-
0: kind of vigilante. Yeah.
1: what do you think yeah. he's going to do when he finds out they're eating the kids? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, he's probably going to go psychotic. It, it's going to be like mm. a complete and utter break. So it's it's interesting and extreme and very depressing because Major, even though he's your typical leading man type for a show like this, he's really likable.
0: Well, I love I, I love it- the Candyman. The guy that plays the Candyman has really grown on me in this show, <laughs> and I love when he's talking to Babado, and he says, "Oh, you're talking about that guy that looks like he's from a uh, Nicholas Sparks movie."
1: Oh, no, he's perfect. It's a perfect example of what he looks like. <laughs> that was hilarious. No, it, it, it's such a witty show, and the fact that he he you you like Major, he even though he does look like he walked out of a Nicholas Sparks movie, they've made him such a, a fun dude. And he, he, you know, he's 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 sweet and funny, and um, you you really like him, and you feel bad about what's going on. And he's always yeah. walking around with his face broke, you know, like busted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he got
0: crap beat out, out of him.
1: So, yeah, I I really like what I Zombie's doing, and I think we still have like one or two more episodes to go this season. But the ending of this, I knew the minute he tasted her blood what was going to happen.
0: Oh yeah. Well. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I saw that actor on—I think it was on Marvel Movie News show on YouTube—and uh-huh. he mentioned that he was going to be on three episodes.
1: Oh, so there's there is probably two episodes and left this season then. That
0: was a that was a couple of weeks ago, so I knew he.
1: He was com- Before
0: any of that happened, I was like, "Oh well, I know he 's coming back,
1: oh man yeah th- i I really liked him too, because he was perfectly creepy and now he 's all scarred up, so it 's going to be interesting to see what he does when yep. he figures out what 's going on and if he 's going to join the forces with blaine and are we
0: going to see Stephen Weber again I hope so
1: i I loved how they were explaining his character too i can't i can 't remember the the exact words, but they were, it was just, oh, the American Psycho reference. I like that. Yes, that was yes. great. I'm, was, I'm, oh, go ahead. I almost
0: always love seeing Steven Weber.
1: He's always good.
0: Yeah.
1: Because he was great in that two seconds he was in Community this season where he played the, yeah. <laughs> the guy. By the way, um Community, if you're not watching it on Yahoo, you should be, um just had their, of course, yearly uh paintball episode. Like I would totally watch nope. it
2: if Yahoo didn't freaking crash. Like <laughs> it literally like it w- it just crashes. Like you get it running and it's just like pfft. it's like he- seriously
1: Yahoo
0: it crashes uh, when I try to watch it on my Xbox, but I it yeah. doesn't crash when I watch it on my computer.
1: I haven't had it crash on my computer. Now I have had some issues with their app. If you have an iPad yeah. or a or an iPhone, you can watch it on there. They actually have a Yahoo Screen app for that now. Uh, but it it's been good this season, and I love Keith David. Oh, oh yeah! My God, he is my favorite character. I love that. I'll, I'll make sure not to tell y'all. I just pooped. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so the Flash had its season finale, and our own Eric Smith has a video up on YouTube right now. His Flash and the the Flash in a Flash, which mm-hmm. isn't quite in a Flash this time because no. it's the longest video he's done to encapsulate the just ridiculousness and awesomeness of the finale.
0: As I as I say it's the, the finale was not action packed but it was awesome packed.
1: Yeah, I, a lot of people have said this is probably one of the best finales for a season of a comic book series on television.
0: I thought it was great. It it, it it one of the big things to me was the fact that they had this this little surprise wedding that just went off without a hitch. You know, I mean especially in a, a comic book show. What you are expect <laughs> you expect villains to show up or something to go wrong, but no, it Especially just... Especially in DC. DC hates weddings. It was just... Uh, and, it, and it wasn't advertised. I saw nothing that showed that there was going to be this little wedding, and they just had it outside. It was all the core characters, and it took a minute and a half. And it was just a nice little thing. And there's there are a ton of teasers uh, at the end when... Uh, Barry Allen's going through the speed force, through the wormhole, whatever you want to call it. You get all these little flashes of the past and the future, possibly alternate worlds. You see Caitlin as Killer Frost really quickly. You see the Legends of Tomorrow cast. You see Barry in prison, handcuffed. Ooh! So There's just all sorts of stuff in there that they packed into this.
1: Well, and Speaking of Legends of Tomorrow, and, and you guys need to go check out Eric's video because he goes over everything in the mm-hmm. episode. Um, and it's, uh, it's up on YouTube right now. If you go to our Fangirl Magazine YouTube channel, you can check it out. It's part of the – also, he has his own playlist on there for these. So you can check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Legends of Tomorrow thing, um, Arthur Darville – yes, that's how you say his name uh, – mm-hmm. had an AMA Reddit. This weekend, and he was talking about uh, the new series. And I don't know if anybody kind of tried to point out to him how much you know DC should be sued for this character (laughs) from the BBC uh, that he's playing Rip Turner. Um, Rip Hunter. Rip Hunter Turner. I got. I'm got. (laughs) got, He's from. He's from the comics. I know, but look at him. He's he's been around
2: for a really long
1: time. But look at how they have him dressed. He is the war doctor. He's wearing the war doctor's outfit. It's ridiculous. He's even got the little goatee of the war doctor. Um, I did a comparison photo. People are wowed. It's ridiculous. He, he is the doctor. He's basically playing the doctor. <laughs> um, so uh, the, he was talking about the fact some people were asking him about it. And he, he's like, I haven't really done anything with that yet. I was jet lagged and tired. And I filmed that at, like, th- <laughs> after three hours of sleep with these guys. <laughs> and all he's filmed so far is that little promo, I think, for the episode. Because um, he's not... Yeah. yeah, for for the, the trailer. But-
2: I was completely, like, I was like, no. And then, like, Arthur Darville came on, and I was like, okay.
0: I, I think it, <laughs> it, it looks like it has potential, but then I'm a huge Hawkman and Hawkwoman fan, so having... I, I don't know if they're calling her Hawk Girl or Hawk Woman, She's having Hawk her Girl in there right now: Yeah um, uh, having her in there is great. Uh, Heatwave and Captain Cold have been fantastic on the flash. If they can keep it up for a whole series, then that'll be great. Uh, the only one that I don't really care about is the Atom.
1: <laughs> Poor yeah, <that> is <laughs> like, it's like it's like, look, we can be Marvel too.
0: <laughs> well, I haven't liked him on the flash.
1: I think so, the the interesting thing that they're going to be doing with this is not only they're going to be traveling through time in it, but they're going to do the alternate universe things too. So there's a lot of potential with which that. Which
0: I soon. love.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Like Earth 2 is like shady territory at this point. So hopefully it goes well, but yeah, the only reason the only reason I'm going to watch it is cuz Rory's on it. <laughs> I
0: don't know, you know, what the multiverse in DC is like now. There were a, an infinite number of universes. Then there were there was only one, and then there were fifty two, and then I don't know what any of them are anymore. And now they're all converging.
1: <laughs> don't remind me.
0: It's all <laughs> just ridiculous.
1: So um, the one thing that happened that uh, I think I'm the only one on the on the show that watches this, but if you're not watching the Blacklist, <laughs> you really really have a problem because you should be watching The Blacklist. It's it's ridiculous and how good it is. The guest stars that are in it, I, I just, I can't even do justice to how good the show is. And this season, the season finale just um, aired. And things went in a direction that I never in a million years thought they'd go. And uh, that basically is uh, that, that uh, Lizzie, the the lead of the show crossed a line that I never thought she'd do, which is she shot someone and killed them in in basically cold blood. He was unarmed. And it was the evil senator guy or justice. uh, He's actually, I always say evil senator. It's always an evil senator. He's not a senator. He's (laughs) part of the justice department. And he's uh, high up in the justice department. And he was part of the cabal that has been controlling her life. And they framed her for the death of... Um, I believe it was a senator. There's where the senator is coming in. Uh, and uh, infected her with a virus that was, the virus was specifically created to only harm the guy that got infected. It was this uber virus, um, high tech thing. And uh, with, with that, they managed to peg her as a Russian agent. They're trying to black, you know, blackmail or you know, basically blacklist her as a Russian agent because her mother, turn, it turns out, was a, a super Russian agent. And she didn't even know her mother, really. So you find out that Red probably isn't her father in this episode as well. And as it progresses, you find out that Red wiped her memories specifically so she wouldn't know that she killed her own father as a child because he was uh, beating her mother and she shot him. And those memories were triggered. And that's kind of the reason why she ended up shooting the justice guy uh, to death point blank because he was threatening Harold Cooper, who is her mentor at the FBI and basically everyone else. And she realizes that he was the reason she was, um, has been Put into this corner so it's up to red to save her and he gets her out of the country the last shot you see of them is the two of them in a car together and she like lays her head on his shoulder and closes her eyes because she's on the run now and the last shot is her wanted poster going up next to his she's now on the top 10 list of the fbi's most wanted that's your hero Mm -hmm. that is your hero of the show and I never thought it would go that route. That's pretty extreme. That's some 24 shiz right there. <laughs> so if you're not watching the blacklist, you need to be smacked. It, the entire first season. No <laughs> The entire first season's on Netflix. You don't even have to worry about Hulu. Go to Netflix. It's all there. And... uh you really really need to check it out this season was great and um it's also interesting that the double agent kind of guy that tom who reminds me of arthur darville these two need to play um brothers in something uh also has kind of been redeemed and by the way his boss is played by um lance hendrickson
0: gotta love lance
1: oh god he's so good he's so good (laughs) in this Uh, And the other show that aired, which we will come back to later in our uh, controversy segment, is Game of Thrones. Hmm. And the one thing I will say about this last episode of Game of Thrones... I'm okay. It's okay. It's okay. Sarah Sarah, Sarah just killed herself because of Game of Thrones, um, was the horrible effing fight at the water gardens. Oh, God. The No wonder, you know, if I was Oberyn Martell, I'd kill myself if the mountain hadn't done it for me. If my daughters fought as crappily as these girls did. <laughs> I almost said something they were else. in it for, like, all of, like,
2: two seconds. There like, was, I'm, like, I'm like, I don't really care about the sand snake thing.
1: I, I was so excited about the sand snakes, and now I could not care less. They have made them so lame. There's no excuse. I was excited when she threw the spear through the guy's head in the episode before this one. And now this was supposed to be their big battle. And it was the most lame thing I've watched.
2: It was so short. It was was like, I I thought it was going to be like going on for a while. So I like glanced at my phone during that scene. And then it
1: was like over and I'm like, oh, well, shit. (laughs) Basically, I mean, that was that was that was my take on it. Uh, So we'll come back to the other big thing that happened in that episode later on. Uh, So kind of in comic book news right now, there's two things going on. One is all of those suicide, quote-unquote, leaked... Suicide Squad, quote-unquote, leaked photos that are going around. Um, If that set is that loose and allowing stuff like that to get out on its own. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, I, I smell something stinky in Denmark or Gotham, you pick. Uh, and I, I will say this. I'm really digging the Jared Leto Joker. I'm sorry, guys. I
2: think he looks fantastic. I, I liked it from the beginning. I'm uh, tired of people being like,
1: oh, this is shit. I, I didn't <laughs> like the tattoo on his head. I think that's a bit much, but the suit and the comparison photos they're showing to the comic books and how crazy he looks. And especially the the, the leaked scene of mm. him with Harley um, was great. I, I'm okay with it so far. The, the thing I'm more worried about is Will Smith doing his thing in it. And I'm... <laughs> Whatever. What Scientology? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Um, but well, you I, know. Go ahead.
0: You know what movie has the best photo campaign going right now? Right.
1: Which one?
2: Which one? Deadpool. Oh. Oh my God! I'm like yeah. so
1: excited. The the one, one man, man. the one man PR that is Ryan Reynolds.
0: The, the <laughs> Mother's Day photo. I know. Is fantastic. The toilet photo the of course the bearskin rug i think was the first one
1: he's he is amazing
0: was
2: the was the mary poppins one a fan photo or was that like an actual like promo image
0: uh, i haven't like, seen that one so.
2: like there's one circling and i don't know if it was done by fans but it's like him with an umbrella like flying over london
0: no, I not <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: no, it's freaking amazing.
1: No, I, I think it's interesting. You know, that's all like Ryan Reynolds is like this one-man PR campaign yeah. for, for Deadpool. The, the, uh, the stuff with Suicide Squad, like I said, if that set is that loose and allowing people just to take whatever pictures they want, there's no way the studio isn't in on that. So, that's why a lot of people are wondering if these leaked images are something to throw people off. I don't think they are. I don't think they're that that intricate with what they're doing, but it's really, you know, this, the studio is allowing this leaked stuff out. That's what I think they're doing, how they're doing it, because uh, there's just too much. Uh, the one thing, though, that I find interesting, the rumor patrol that's going around right now, and... I've at one point would have been okay, way okay with this man playing the Joker as a slick southern, like creepy, sleazy joker. I I, I this would have been my tra la la touching place. Um oh. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey has been talking yeah. about God, can you imagine think about that. If you've seen Killer Joe, you know <laughs> well, what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about.
0: I have a, I have this image of a southern plantation owning Joker.
1: Dude, <laughs> hey, hey, come on. If you've seen Killer Joe, which if you have not, you really should, because he is phenomenal in it. Um, he's just so sleazy and dark and crazy and... Oh. Um, sorry. Um, so... <laughs>
2: Matthew, Jessica needs to go to her happy place. <laughs> I, need to
1: go to my, I went to my happy place. That was the problem. Um, so Matthew McConaughey has been talking and he has been approached by both studios Um, Or both, I guess you call it studios. DC and Marvel have both come to him with comic book scripts uh, to have him in films. And I don't think he actually spoke about which ones that have come to him that have already been filmed and which ones have not yet been filmed. It makes me think seriously that maybe they did approach him for the Joker. The way he kind of worded it. Mm. But now the word is he is possibility of being Norman Osborn in the Spider-Man reboot.
0: I can see it.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I'm like still like pissed that there's going to be another Spider-Man reboot really... and it's not going to be Miles Morales.
1: It, we really don't need a reboot. Just... Uh, seriously
2: like I'm like, "Oh, let me see any like anyone go up to the street. Well, what's Spider-Man's origin story? He got bit by a radioactive spider, guys. How many times you're going to like shove that but, into our holes?" How many...
0: I don't think they're going to show it. I I I mean, he's so. making his his uh, first appearance in Civil War.
1: Right. That's what so, I think it's not going to really be a reason. But they did say it's an origin story. I don't think they're going to do it. I, I really don't think they're going to do an origin story. Because it wouldn't make sense if he does show up. Because it's Marvel. Marvel has it. If it's, no,
2: it's... Well, that one. But Sony's the one that the reboot is in I, the hands of.
1: They may actually partner with Marvel. I'm hoping they partner with Marvel and do it. But if they actually are going to have like McConaughey play Norman Osborn, then it may be an older Spider-Man. I, I kind of like that. But who knows? I mean, this is also complete rumor and conjecture at this point. There's no confirmation on it. But I, I, you know, if you can't have him be the Joker, maybe the Riddler. I don't know.
0: Mm. Mm. I really,
1: God, in my head though, that sleazy Southern Joker. (laughs) Ugh. Ugh. That me but Norman
0: Osborn is pretty psychotic, and I would love I, to see him do that.
1: I know, but... Eh, yeah, I... He, he, after he's a like, detective, too, he's really... He's good at that kind of crap. If,
2: if they weren't rebooting it again, I'd be excited, because, like, there's been so much cool stuff done with Norman Osborn in the last, like, five years. Yeah, it, Like, he, five to ten years in comics that, like, it's like, yeah, let's do that. But, like... I don't think that Sony is smart
1: enough. That's why <laughs> I I'd hope they'd partner with Marvel on it. I really hope they do something like that. But sure. we'll we'll see what happens. Any in my head though, there's a what could have been with him and the Joker, and it would have been phenomenal. And maybe I'll have to write a fanfic about it. <laughs> so I can do that. I can make it happen in my head. Um, so. Sure. Something that I've actually gotten to see the whole film of just had a trailer hit. And I am so excited for people to see this movie. And I am going to be interviewing Elijah Wood, hopefully soon, about it. <laughs>
0: Again. I've been waiting a long time for this movie.
1: Oh, my God. I, fa- I actually got to see all of it uh, thanks to Lionsgate. Cooties, the trailer, yes. hit mm-hmm. the web today. and let me- I can't
0: believe they're making another movie based on a game.
1: <laughs> nice one. Oh, wait. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> um, I have to tell you though, uh in a cast with people like Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson, Wilson yeah. and all these guys, the guy that steals the freaking movie is Lee Winnell.
0: Yeah.
1: Lee Winnell steals this flick, which I think he wrote himself the best lines because I believe he helped co write this. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I think he did that on purpose. I mean, Ray Wilson is is amazing, but Lee stills the movie, and I can't tell you any out anything else about it, other than it's freaking phenomenal. It's a I gr- just
0: watched the trailer before we started recording.
1: It's a great throwback and flick, it, and it's a, it's definitely an R-rated flick. It, there's the stuff they do with kids, and this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's just it's just awesome. It's so much fun. And it's, uh, it's just a fun, fun movie with a lot of end jokes And uh, I was surprised though, in the whole film, no one mentioned the faculty. And here you have Elijah <laughs> Wood,
0: but oh, no yeah. one
1: mentions the faculty. Uh, but it was so much fun and you need to check out the trailer. It's gonna be a great flick. And um, if there's any way possible, because the interview is coming via an article I'm going to be writing up for Horror Hound um, on this movie. If there's any way possible, I'm going to try and get you guys some um, footage from the interview with Elijah and whoever else I have that I can get from this movie to talk to. So,
0: Yeah, I've been waiting a long time and it looks really good. Oh,
1: God, it's so funny. It's so good. It's a great flick. It was really a lot of fun. Um Another flick that was a hell of a lot of fun, and actually is a nice little segue into our week of, couple of weeks of fandom controversy in in the land of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, is Fury Road. Oh my God! I needed a couple cigarettes and um, some alone time. <laughs> oh my
2: God! It's so good. Oh, oh I,
1: it's beautiful. It's so...
2: beautiful.
1: Sarah, did you like the movie? I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my God. Um, The the new, I guess Fury Road kind of is the new Return of the Jedi. The question is how many times have you seen it? Uh, I actually have only seen it the one because I haven't had time to go back. I am definitely going to see it again. Um. But, oh my
2: gosh, I've, I've only seen it once, but like, oh my gosh, like, I would go again in a heartbeat.
1: No, I, I know people that that have seen the movie already two, three, four times, uh, and it just it's just an amazing film. George Miller just did, I don't even know how he did what he did with this movie, and it, you keep finding out cool things about it, like the fact that, The guitar actually did all of that. Oh yeah,
2: did you read that thing? I oh yeah, no, yeah, no, like
1: George Miller, he you will show him a prop and he'll go, okay, turn it on, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, you really want it to like shoot (laughs) fireballs into the air? Yeah, turn it on. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Like you go. So, Fury Road just. I, there, there's not much more we can say about it that hasn't already been said. I wrote up a little piece on, on fangirlmag.com about it. I also posted the awesome Alamo draft house, turn off your cell phone that has toe cutter slash Immortem Joe uh, on there telling you to do that, or he's going to find you in the night. Um <laughs> And uh, it, they have already announced that there's, big surprise, there's going to be a sequel called The Wasteland. Uh, it's Tom, oh, yeah. Tom it's... Hardy is signed for three films. Now, i got to ask you guys, because I'm assuming, Eric, you saw it as well.
0: I, first of all, I heard it was three more films.
1: Yeah, he's signed for three more films, yes.
0: And uh, no, I have not seen it because <gasps> I am very poor and unemployed.
1: Oh, my
0: god! I have plenty of time to see it. Uh... I just don't have the money.
1: I will value money. <laughs> I know. It's like that's one
2: of the things it's like, okay, everybody listening go to Patreon and just like give Eric money to go see a movie right <laughs> now.
0: Start a start a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, no yeah.
1: doubt. No, um so Fury Road uh the the, the big th- the, the other like there's a phantom uh theory out there mm-hmm. that he's not actually Mad Max.
0: I read this today.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating because I'd actually heard a rumor that originally Feral Kid was supposed to be in this or something like that, and now it's kind of changed to where even though because throughout the film, you he doesn't use his he doesn't really tell you his name. Mm-hmm. It's not until the end that you hear his name, Max. Right. And I'm not going to spoil any of this for Eric. Just know that it's freaking amazing. It's going to blow your ass <laughs> off. Okay. But the, the, the theory... Hold on to
2: your ass. Hold on
1: to your ass, it's Fury Robe. That needs to be on a t-shirt. Um, yeah. So, the theory is, with how they've kind of switched up the, 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 the backstory for him a little bit in the, in the flashbacks that are in this film, is that he's actually the feral kid grown up, and that Max gave him his leathers and raised him. And So that's why he doesn't really have a name, and um, that's why he looks so different, and the age age would actually work. I think
2: that's, like, I think that's going too far. I think, like, you know, it's just, like, you have to kind of deal with changes, like, when anything's rebooted after a long period of time, because, like...
1: But it's not a reboot.
2: Like, but it's not, no, it's a continuation. Right. It's the next film. I... I like to think that he is Max, because he does it so well.
1: He does it well, but at the same time, it's a neat theory, and I and it would explain a lot. Um, I, I, But, you know, George Miller's kind of loosey-goosey with the, the timing, too. Mm-hmm. But it's a neat theory. It's a neat way to, to think about it.
0: I um, like the theory. I like the idea that Mad Max has become this sort of cultural icon that uh, the young kid from the other movie chose to emulate. Right. And um, I I read that he doesn't really, you know, he he grunts a lot throughout the movie and doesn't talk. And, of course, in Road Warrior, the kid doesn't talk. He just, except for the narration. As a kid, he just grunts. Right. Um, So that was one of the pros in the thing that I read in favor of this theory.
1: Yeah, and the con is that he didn't use the 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 boomerang, which which is like, (laughs) yeah, God, Damn it! That's right. He didn't use the memory. Right. If we, if he had done that, it'd been like, oh shit, it's him. <laughs> it's but like It's, I, it's a fun it theory. Has, it's,
2: it's... The like insinuation of like the little girl and
1: the kid, and we know Ma- Max had a family, but he only had a, so... a baby son. He did. Not yeah. Oh, and they were. I think that. And they were
0: run down by license. motorcycles, not a truck.
1: Right. Right. And uh, but actually, if you. God, Eric, I don't want to spoil anything for
0: you. You can spoil it. Um, it's not like I haven't been inundated with it for the they, past week.
1: They actually have clips from the original Mad Max in it. That um, the close-up of Toe Cutter biting it at the end, mm. and um, at, in in his flashbacks, there are scenes, and it's that's part of the reason why they think that. It might not be Max, is because of the little girl, and you wonder what that's from and that kind of a thing. So it could be just a representation of the people that he's lost because he's gone through, you know, beyond Thunderdome. He went through the road war and God knows what else happened after that.
2: Also, you know, George Miller is allowed to take creative license with his own stuff. Oh
1: yeah, but I I, totally—it's a neat theory. I, I, I dig it because Feral Kid showed up in. Didn't he, he was in Road Warrior, and then he he got adopted by the Helicopter Guy, mm-hmm. and so he's been in the last two films. So it'd be kind of neat to have that continuation there, and that it would be a moniker of of you know I Max, you know that kind of a deal. So, but kind of segueing into our controversy discussion, mm-hmm. Fury Road. A lot of people loved it, and then there are some people who really didn't, and. For real, this is something that people have already been talking about. We kind of discussed it a little bit the last show, yeah. um, which was the ridiculous I, – I just – I'm still in awe of this. There was a guy who – and I think it's only one so far that did this. But there is a guy named Aaron Clary who wrote a piece about it being a feminist piece of propaganda posing as a and guy
2: – Activists.
1: Yeah, yeah, and... Oh my God, men's rights. And, and he was actually called... Whoa, whoa,
0: don't infringe on my rights to be an idiot. He, he's <laughs> he He was
1: calling for a boycott of the film, which... And happened, I want to be,
0: go I want ahead. be perfectly clear. I haven't seen it because I'm poor, not because I'm boycotting it.
1: And it's funny, you, you read this and he's he's talking about the fact that, you know... Charlize Theron's character is far too equal to Max, I guess, and that it's more of her movie than anything else. And then he actually said something really stupid. Um, he actually was saying it was something about American, pop- uh, American culture ruined and rewritten right in front of their very right. eyes. When, in yeah. fact, dumbass... It's an Australian film that was done in Australia, written by an Australian. Thank.
0: But we do tend to <laughs> take everything and make it our own.
1: Well, the fact that the guy didn't even—he hasn't yes. at the time he wrote it—he didn't even he hadn't even seen the film. Secondly, well,
0: why that, would you need to see it? Well, yeah,
2: and I mean, this guy also goes on and on in this um, thing about how women they need to like keep the strong patriarchal values and women can't be equal to men and that women need to stay in their roles where they are and they should not be elevated to this women like basically like women need to be in the kitchen making sandwiches like that's their entire thing that's like their their entire thing goes off of that their role as men is to be over women
1: well the thing that i loved about fury road one of the you know it it really is a massive uh equality piece and it's talking and, and it's hidden between, behind all this like insanity of violence and and action sequences and things but i the george miller went so far as to be like okay first of all these women are breaking free of not only these like chastity belts they're breaking free of being baby factories they're breaking free of being these beautific you know weird objects they're you know and and who is saving them but a woman who is just a complete badass who is the one that has been trusted with all of this um responsibility she's lost an arm at some point and you even have these these images of these women. that are the breast milk factories. Which is, is crazy. And then you find in the desert. These women that have, have lived all this time. They're older. they They're strong. They're also the protectors of life. In the form of the seeds and things like that. Miller. Took a franchise. That you know, already had strong female characters in it. I mean, look at look at uh Tina Turner's character in Beyond Thunderdome. Look at the leader of the the kids as a is a young woman in Beyond Thunderdome. And then you have the the badass warrior chicks in Road Warrior. It's not new to his franchise. It's not new to Mad Max to have this kind of badass female in it. But to have it just so equal in the film and have the entire film be about that is awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And and there is no romance. That's the other thing I found funny. A, a person on Facebook was asking, okay, what about sex? Because my friend's wanting to take his 13-year-old son to this movie or his hmm. 12-year-old son. I'm like, first of all, there's kind of a weird balancing act there in that you're okay with every kind of violence known to man, but no sex. I know. Well, and but, well,
2: honestly, like the the s- sex component, uh, it doesn't have gratuitous sex, but it does have that sex trade and sex slavery theme to it, because that's what those women were—they were, they were well, like they,
1: his brides and and his well, brood, and his broodmares forced to be his he
2: kind of just took them i doubt there was a happy wedding or anything
1: there was nothing like that but in, in in the terms of sexuality it's really there's really none and there's no romantic angle max and furiosa are equals and they're begrudging allies and then they finally have respect for one another and that's really really neat and i love the scene where she you know a lot of people are picking up on that where she's the better shot. he allows her to use him just basically as a tripod for her rifle, yeah, that's a good one <laughs> so it's it's kind of ridiculous that that stirred up that kind of controversy in the last week or so that you know men were threatened
2: well these are the these are the game guys who have you know been harassing us for the past nine months so
1: well, and They'll they figure. And, well, and then kind of uh, hopping off of that into, let's go back to Game of Thrones. Um, I find this, I find this kind of ridiculous.
2: I find it incredibly ridiculous. People are. Straight up ridiculous.
1: Are very pissed off about last week's episode where Sansa was raped. They call it raped. It's more... It, it, I think she it's, was just, like, begrudgingly accepting. No, it's it's rape, but
2: it's Ramsay Snow, for yeah, Christ's it, sake.
1: It, she knew it was coming. And well, it, doesn't change, I mean, it, it doesn't change the fact that he raped her. It doesn't
2: make it better, but this is my thing, okay? If you're going to be like, oh, he raped her. We're so mad that they put that on screen. It's like, well... That's not helping the situation. Well. Like, rape exists. You don't erase it from all, like, um, existing on screen in order to, like, deal with it. That's just denying
1: it exists. First of all, it's Game of Thrones. Horrible, horrible shit happens in Game of Thrones, not only to women but to men. People seem to forget that. See, people for, seem to forget that the entirety of the Unsullied have been castrated. The entire, you know, Theon Greyjoy was castrated. You know, varies was raped and castrated. Theon was probably raped the way Ramsay's acting at some point or another. And it, it's just a horrible place, you know, horrible things happen. And that's part of it. And to think that they're not going to have Ramsey do what Ramsey does and to show. Ramsey's done it multiple times. Yeah. The, the <laughs> thing is, with this scene, it's a twofold opportunity to show how villainous and vile this guy is. Sansa knew. She even kind of told Littlefinger, when you come back, I'm going to be a married woman. You knew. She knew what was going to happen. She was ready. If not, you know, she's not going to enjoy this. She knew it was coming. Well, and
2: I think people's, what I understand of the argument is they're saying that it's lazy storytelling. They're like, yeah, we know Ramsey's awful. You don't have to do it like that. And I'm like, well, if you pay attention, it's not used as a device to make a Ramsey. No, it's awful. It's too, it's the device they're using to push Theon over the edge. Right. It's the, the device they're using to re break Theon of his, of his, the way Ramsey broke him.
1: Right. It, there's a, there's the two parts to that scene. There's one is that Sansa is, is crossing that final line. To hardening herself for the realities of what's going on around her. She's already kind of shown that with her conversation with Theon's um, spurned ex in the bathtub. She was kind of like egging her on. Basically baiting her. Come on, do something. Um, But the thing with Theon that just makes this so horrible for him. And and he's not a great guy. But it's just... First of all, he is watching basically his sister be taken and raped on her wedding night horribly roughly by a guy that he can't stand who cost him his manhood secondly the the fact that he gave her away he gave her to him and that is in his brain as he's watching this i gave him to gave her to him
2: it's the i mean it's it's the tipping point like having uh, Sansa back like Theon can't justify his existence as Reek anymore. Now, does it have to be portrayed like that? I mean, I guess not. Is it lazy storytelling? I don't think so. Because I, like, I, think, I think it I think adds
1: to it. I think it, it adds to it.
2: I think it's lazy watching. You know, it's like this is one of the things that frustrates me the most and as someone who considers herself a feminist and someone who's outspoken against rape culture like one thing we don't want to do is silence it you know for one it, it exists and representations of it uh should be treated with care but it's not glorifying it it's not it's not like she's Gaining some kind of power from it, it's not like you know like it's used and it's there, and rape happens and well, we should we should do something about it
1: the the fact that okay the the Mary Sue is no longer covering the show because of this, and this was their tipping point, not that some guy has been. ...brutally raped and had his junk cut off. You know, we're not going to get pissed about that. We're going to get pissed because of this off-screen scene... ...that was a, a turning point for three characters in the show. A, a very important scene in the terms of that character's arc. Because it's going to change her. But it's in a world where brutality exists. George R. R. Martin and the Game of Thrones TV series, the books the books themselves have the character that was actually in the books that ends up marrying Ramsey, who was pretending to be Sansa is they, they strongly suggest he was raped by dogs. I mean, that's in the book. If you were not going to cover the TV series after this, then you should never have covered it from the get go. If it was based off of a book where stuff like that happened.
2: Well, and, and like I said, that's just lazy. And second of all, Like, if you're going to talk about, um, you know, a women's movement in any form, if you're going to talk about feminism, you need to keep your goal in mind. Like, to just react to things without thinking it through why you're reacting to it, or actually really thinking about it and being like, okay, here was this scene. What kind of context was it presented in? How do I feel about it? Why do I feel that way? Was this presented as some sort of gratuitous, like, scene? No, it wasn't. Uh, Was it used, like, to portray, like, a horrible thing happening and, like... It it was used like I said, it's it's not it's not lazy storytelling to show that Ramsay is awful. We all know Ramsey is awful. What hasn't happened is Reek becoming Theon Greyjoy again.
1: Well, and the other thing that I have to point out, because I just it just irks me that this is the tipping point, is that you one of the giant love stories. A lot of people have brought this up too. The big love story of the ages from Game of Thrones is Daenerys and Caldrogo. How did that start? I know. She was a child bride. And, and he ra- is, he like, took yeah. her from well, behind. He, yeah. Roughly in the in like the, a dog. That's the, what they say, on their like wedding night. On yeah. their wedding night. Now are you does that mean that you're going to stop completely covering anything that Jason Momoa does? I mean, are you going to hold, you know, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. That it's, I don't I don't understand the tipping point for some of these people.
2: And it's reaching and a lot uh, that's been at, like I was really excited that it seemed like we had a women's movement in nerddom and then of course You know, the lowest common denominator got a hold of it and now it's just reactionary and it's going to destroy it. It's going to destroy everything we were working towards.
1: Well, and that's kind of a good tipping off point to where I'm going to, we're, we're ending this uh, segment, which is the, the, uh, the other piece of controversy that literally just happened uh, like a day ago, which is Simon Pegg's. Um, article from, I believe it was The Guardian, and, or actually the Radio Times um, interview Yeah, Radio
2: Times, yeah
1: and it was reported out by io9 who immediately jumped all over it and um, made it out like he was slamming fandom and slamming science fiction and slamming well, everybody and them and then they just, he, go pulled, ahead. they just pulled quotes Yeah, they added like, context
2: Let this be a lesson to people who want to be bloggers and journalists. Like if you're going to pull quotes, use them correctly.
1: Right. And, and don't make it a reactionary thing like they did. So he ended up reposting on Pegster, which is the website that Harmony runs for him. Uh, the, a very well worded and well thought out explanation of why he said what he said. And, if you go read it because it's, it's, I actually agree with him a hundred percent on. Oh yeah. The it's,
2: of it. it's really well done. And, and one of the things he brings up that like when, when I heard people kind of like talking about it is that like, dude, you got Simon Pegg has been talking about like infantilized adulthood for over a decade.
1: Right. The space series was <laughs> all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, Go ahead not
2: no this is a, this, no, it was just this is not a new topic for him guys
1: no the the thing that he's talking about and pointing out is the entitlement that has somehow and i I was actually talking to um, a friend of mine about this and it seems to be a general a generational thing like, like this wave of twenty something year olds is typically what who you're gonna get this a lot from and I sound like an old woman as I say this but it's true. <laughs> There is an entitlement to um, to fandom right now that runs on both sides. It's not just women. It's not just men. Both sides have it. And uh, that entitlement, that, that me, 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 I'm a baby person. I'm an adult baby. I'm going to say what I want without any thought of what I'm doing. And you better give me what I want. Um, and that kind of goes back into the whole... Fury Road thing, it goes into the Game of Thrones stuff because you've got, you've got these the, the males of, of fandom, a lot of these entitled man babies like the Gamergate guys. If I don't get my way then I'm going to make your life a living hell. And I'm going to be a little bitch. And that's what happened there, that entitlement. And it, it, it's like they're stuck in this teenage wasteland of, of adulthood where they, they're never going to get out of that. They feel like they deserve what they, whatever they want. And it goes to also the women. Because you have these crazy broads. And I'm going to say broads. I'm a woman. I can say that. <laughs> crazy broads that attacked Joss Whedon and told him to kill himself. What? How could? Where do you think that you have the right to tell that to someone? Well, and this
2: is the thing. And when the Joss Whedon thing happened, I I told people, I'm like, this is reactionary. It has no end goal, and it's
1: stupid. It's it's stupid. You don't you don't do that. Well, and it's just gotten worse. Um, you know, Space came out right as the internet had really gotten its steam going. I mean, it it it. it that was really, really started and um, becoming broader and broader and broader. And uh, now I think a lot of this is due to how the Internet has connected fandom. There's so many good things that it has done. But God Almighty, is there so many bad things that's allowed to happen, <laughs> which is well, that, that I no one knows who I am. I'm anonymous. I can tell this man, you should go blow your brains out because you made Black Widow fall in love with the Hulk, Yeah, you know, it's like, and, um,
2: like it should also be pointed out that, um, in his original interview, like Simon Pegg was really just kind of lamenting, um, the loss of kind of the more psychological, science fiction and, and fantasy and stuff like that, the stuff that really tackled the bigger issues. Right, because he talked
1: about Ex Machina. And, Ex Machina
2: and yeah. uh, Fury Road. He said those were amazing. That He's like, that's what I'm talking about. He's like, I just feel like, you know, movies get too heavy on spectacle and too light on substance at a certain point. And, you know, science fiction is a genre that, came about uh, because of questioning like existence and questioning like psychology and the world in general. It's a genre that was built on asking the big questions and you know there's of course like it doesn't always have to be deep and like philosophical and stuff but you know we we have to admit that lately, a lot of times we do settle for spectacle and not that there's anything wrong with that. And even the most simple of movies can have something to say, but like, I mean, I would not mind having more fury roads out there.
1: Well, (laughs) the other part of it that it, I I always go back. It must be, it's very telling that I always come back to Rod Serling and the fact that he used science fiction and fantasy is a tool to talk about issues and things, and get away with talking about things that at the time you couldn't get away with talking about. And he hid it within this veil of science fiction, and it was beautifully done. And I miss that. You know, the last time we really had that um, was District Nine, and I miss that kind of storytelling where you know you you learn. A really good lesson, and something is is conveyed in that guys, and it's it's always, you know, you walk out of there and you're still talking about it. Like I'm still talking about Fury Road, I, you know, and and that is telling. That's the last time I've. Came, that's the first time I've kind come out of a movie in a long time with that feeling.
0: Well, yeah. science fiction, fantasy, and horror have always been, in my opinion, the best tools for. Uh, exploring these issues, because you can take the outsider's point of view. You can take the alien POV and look at humanity from a different direction that you can't necessarily get from just straightforward literature or fiction, because we're bogged down in the reality of that.
1: Right.
0: And when you can, like with Rod Serling, when you can take it outside the bounds, you You can look at us from a completely different perspective and maybe spark some debate or some thought or whatever.
2: Absolutely. Like, um, Jessica, I know you have not seen this, but um, uh, The Babadook, like, uh, is a great, another great example of horror that's really taking a more thoughtful look at things. Like, it's a gorgeous narrative about dealing with trauma. Like, um it, you know this, and it can be stuff like that we get so caught up in just like you know like gore 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 computer effects are cool now you know like take a step back think <laughs> about
1: it well and the other one um that i didn't mention in our tv week recap but i was blown away by how awesome it was and it was 95% female driven, which is also an interesting thing, is Penny Dreadful this week. If you're not. Oh, I don't have Showtime anymore. If you're there. not watching Penny Dreadful, so um, Patty Lapone so was in this episode as um, Vanessa Ives's. Um, uh, they called her the Cut Mother. And that was because she actually performed uh, abortions and things like that for the females. Uh, she was basically the doctor for the females of this area, the Moors. And it was amazing. And it, it was just such a wonderful performance and really, really good. And it spoke to, you know, she, yes, it just so happened she was a witch. But it talked to, at the time of... of how women were they bl- these these women like her that did these special um, procedures and and did these pol- you know potions and things for the people there, took care of the girls who were in trouble um, they were spat upon because of the very reason they were needed and it was an interesting that was just part of it there was other things going on as well, but it was just a really neat story and um how yeah we don't want to admit to what is going on and why we need these people but you know what even though they're they're the only people that can help us we're going to treat them like dirt
2: everybody's a monster in that show too so you know
1: yeah it's it was just a really well done well done piece and i just you know it's kind it's really um the internet I think is a lot to do with it. I don't think Simon really talked about that specifically in either the interview or his piece, but the wonderful bits of the internet, I think outweigh the horrible parts, but those horrible parts are really what's causing this problem.
2: Well, and I think also, you know, to say like, it's just the internet. It's not just,
1: but it's, it's, a lot I think, of it.
2: you know, there's there's a lot of stuff with the economy that's caused this in the past decade, you know, and, and all that stuff. So there's so many things that are, like, making people, oh, like, it's unreasonable to go out and get a house now, so I'm just living with my parents, and why don't I just, you know. Like, there's a ton, like, I, you know, the theory of elementary school teaching in the 80s and 90s was like vastly different than it was before and it is now so you know there's there's all this stuff that goes into making these kind of weird generational things and you know maybe there is some credence to uh you know that he's like yeah it seems like this generation and has a lot more of them and like there's a million reasons why but like to like go crazy on Simon Pig for just like you know being thoughtful oh how dare he you know it was like
1: yeah it was people were jumping on him really quickly and part of that was also due to io9 and in um websites using it as a clickbait tool and that's why he really turned around fast on it and and responded and if you read that piece he's he's really really smart he's a smart yeah. guy he is not an idiot and he is one of us and he still is.
2: He's just He talks he he like name drops Baldrillard and everything. I was like, ooh
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think at the end he
1: actually, <laughs> he actually oh, calls He actually calls himself out on his name dropping too <laughs> But Well I mean
2: I, I mean name dropping in that he is like a prominent like uh, postmodern theorist You know, you're allowed to name drop those people, you know, so uh,
1: he, he's a very intelligent guy and he sees it from the perspective of not only being a fan but being in the industry. And And he knows these guys that are out making these films. So, uh, you know, I, I'm just you – know, I'm on his I mean, side with it because I've seen too much of the man-baby and the crazy psycho girl mentality that comes out. On the stuff. And it just is ridiculous to me.
2: Well, like I think the important thing to note, too, is that he was not condemning anyone. And io9 really made it sound like he was, like, turning his back on geekdom and condemning the entire thing. And he's not. He's not. He's like, no, I love this stuff. He's like, I just think that, yeah, we could stand to be a little more thoughtful. Yes, yeah, just- yeah,
1: utilize it to to learn something, to get right. a point across, and not just be giant robots with their balls hanging down. Oh man, but you know that could make <laughs> me think a little. I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Berry. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 yeah, yeah, So with that, with that wonderful visual <laughs> in your head, uh, we are robots. out of time. And uh, I want to thank my co-hosts here, Sarah and Eric. I hope you enjoyed our our rambling uh, kind of Blargity blue, blargity blue about about fandom and the, the latest controversies that are all seemingly connected. Really, Um they, they kind of verify what he said. Yep. You know? Take some
2: time, think about what like before you go on the internet and like scream about. A single scene you saw in a television show or a movie think about why it made you feel that way
1: right and and also you know don't threaten people's lives over stupid crap like I mean these are real people you may not you may think you know them thanks to seeing pictures of them and reading about their lives but you don't know them they're not your friend personally You don't have the right to threaten their life. You don't have the right to threaten Joss Whedon over Black Widow. You don't have the right to threaten to kill James Gunn because he had Amy Pond cut her hair for a movie. You also don't have the right to tell the girl who kissed Misha Collins in Supernatural as a character that you're going to kill her. You don't get that. That's not your right you can't threaten someone's life even if you've never met them you don't get that right that doesn't give you the right to do that and I'm really sick of that I have a real pet peeve about that crap now because it just makes it harder for the fans who actually care about these people and just want to say hi to be able to do that Mm -hmm. that is a right you have you have the right to be able to maybe get to meet someone like that and tell them hi I love your work Without them being terrified that you're going to stab them in the neck. And, you know, that's just not okay. That's happened in every fandom now that I've read about. Especially Sherlock lately. The Sherlock fandom has gotten to that point as well. And that's scary. I
2: have, I have not heard any of that gossip.
1: Oh, no. They wanted to kill Amanda, um, the, the gal that plays Mary.
2: What? Why?
1: Because... Yeah. because she became, she came between john and sherlock what oh gosh you guys and, object and, permanence and wait it gets better <sighs> you should have picked that up when you were like two she's actually martin freeman's significant other in real life yeah so amanda abington is her name and yeah her life was threatened because her character came between john and sherlock
0: well, I have a I have a whole theory about this, and when we do our special three hour episode, I can maybe get into <laughs> yeah, it a little. I know, little. right?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. We're gonna have. You to, know? we, we should, should we should do, do like a like, like after dark. <laughs>
2: yeah, just an after dark where we just talk about with swear words.
1: Yeah, we can do that because I have a YouTube channel that I can post it on. So we can do that. Um, this is actually going to go up on YouTube here in a couple hours. So it will be up there in its full entirety because I think they're going to have to cut it down for live airing. But I'm going to keep everything on here for um, for YouTube so you guys can hear. If you've gotten to this point, good on you. You've stuck through it. Congratulations.
0: <laughs> well, is there a chance I can steal two more minutes?
1: Sure, go yeah.
0: for it, Eric. Um, just to talk about something that I've enjoyed recently. Are either one of you Chris Jericho fans? Yes.
1: Uh, he was my first and buddy at a Horror helm weekend.
0: Okay, well, have you seen his new ComedyCentral.com show, Nothing to Report?
1: I
2: have
0: not. Oh, it's, uh, uh, it's on ComedyCentral.com, or you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's Chris Jericho and Nick Mundy. I don't know if you're familiar with him.
1: I know that name.
0: Um, And it's a, there's about six videos. They're all about five minutes long. And it's a buddy cop comedy that takes place in those moments in between. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) it's, it's, it's the scene. It's the scene of the two cops in the car on a stakeout when nothing is happening and they're just getting on each other's nerves. (laughs) And I find it, hilarious and I didn't like realize
1: something he would do.
0: Oh, I didn't realize Jericho had a comedy background
1: oh he's he's awesome
0: uh, and he's hilarious and I I Nick Bundy's very funny in it uh there's a few other people that show up in in some of the episodes uh but I just wanted to mention that recommend it to you and anybody else that hasn't watched it yet
1: somewhere in my room in my fangirl cave I have a signed action figure from him where he calls me his trusty assistant Oh, oh my gosh
2: that's cool yeah
1: see he was my first setting buddy and here's the thing that um i think i've said this story maybe told this story before on the air um we're screw it we're gonna go way over but i
2: don't care um, <laughs> yeah, that's it well if a people want to sit around reason. yeah <laughs> welcome to the after dark party
1: <laughs> um so at first horror home weekend that i did um i was assigned to chris jericho and it also happened to be the first weekend after the entire Crispin Wah.
2: Oh God, that would have. Oh, how did you handle that?
1: Um. Well, lots I, of booze. I, I learned a lot of people are assholes, and I ended up. Um, you had people coming up and asking Jericho about it, and it was horrible, and it was like, do you not? Realize like, once again, these are real effing people. Yeah, that have emotional connections to these guys. He knew this guy. Leave him alone. And then, um, eventually, and then you had people that came up with um, the video bootlegs of the guy. Um, I can't remember. I'm horrible. I can't remember his name. The guy that fell and died. That was uh, yeah. Owen Hart. Yeah,
2: it's uh Bret Hart's yeah, brother.
1: Owen Hart. They had the bootleg of him dying. And and they brought it up to him and asked him to sign it and he goes, Uh so- no, sorry, man, I can't sign that. And he was really nice. The thing with Chris Jericho was he was nice to everybody, even the people that he should have throat punched. <laughs> and and I I eventually That's a job. <laughs> and, and eventually I I looked over at him and I said, "Man, can can I just can I go off on the ne- on the next asshole that comes up here with something stupid like that or says something shitty like that to you? Can I please just hit him?" Please? <laughs> you don't have to. I'll do it. And he's like, "No, no, thank you. Thank you. No. No, you don't have to do that. Thank you though, but no." You know that. And he was just so kind and nice the whole time. And that was the one where the guy came up that had said that he'd saved his life by being there every night. He came home from having the worst day ever that wrestling was there for him. And he was crying, and I was, like, tearing up listening to mm. this. It was it was a, an amazing experience because it was the first time I'd ever sat with anybody like that. And he just handled it so classy. And, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I never had seen people with such a cluelessness about them or they just didn't care um, with that kind of a thing. People are right. But uh, Chris Jericho is awesome. He was funny and sweet and witty and really good looking. And he uh, still is. And he still is. He still All is. of those things. He's, he
2: looks great for his age and the amount of abuse he's put himself through.
0: So support his new show. Yeah. <laughs> Where,
2: Speaking what is... of wrestling, Payback, um, another pay per view was on Sunday.
1: Oh yeah, and, was that yeah. the one with the uh, Ronda Rousey Ronda
2: Rousey was WrestleMania. So okay. you're
1: you're several months
2: behind now, dear. I I, say, I don't. We've had I'm not we've the wrestling had... person on this show. It's Sarah. We've had two <laughs> since then: <laughs> Extreme <laughs> Rules and Payback. So Payback was the fatal four-way between Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose. Surprise, surprise, Seth Rollins won. Um, Kane helped him out a little. Uh, But the big news this last week that was, um, like the week previous to payback, that was just devastating for the entire wrestling community was when Daniel Bryan, uh, relinquished the um, the intercontinental champion belt because it turns out his injury um, never really healed and he went back into the ring and re-injured himself and Ooh. now they don't know if he will ever wrestle again. Ooh. And he gave a very tearful, heartfelt thank you to the fans. Oh my god. So much crying, you have no idea. Well, yeah, because he's local, isn't he? He Uh, He's from Washington, yeah. yeah. And um, he's an amazing guy, just all about the fans, all about um, wrestling. And I will be very sad to never see him wrestle again because he was really good. And his story is amazing. He was a fan favorite. He would never have gotten... The chance to do what he did, if the fans hadn't just loved him so much, so it's very sad. Aww. But um, we, but he's also one of those people who has a lot of ambition in his life. So I know that if he can't wrestle again, he'll still go on to do great things. He's been talking about like doing the Peace Corps. So oh wow. yeah, so just you know, one of those people. So.
1: Thank you, Daniel Bryan. (laughs) Aw. Well, guys, I I think that is it. I think we went over far enough. Um, (laughs) But we will be back next week, possibly with footage from interviews, maybe. Maybe we'll have an interview on the show. Um, So I will... (laughs) Poor Sarah. Poor Sarah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I just got to tell you, if I do get to talk to Elijah Wood again, I'm going to be ecstatic because... I think it's going to happen for sure. But... I love
2: him so much. If if you talk to him, you have to tell him hide from
1: me. Well, it's so cool about him is he's a big old horror geek. And the last time I, the first, the one time I talked to him about Maniac, um, I I kind of got a crush because I I was like I had no idea. And then he goes, "Well, Giallo Cinema," blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> what?" The Hobbit just said, Giallo.
0: <laughs> what?
1: No. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. We started talking about Argento and stuff He's like that. It's so and... wonderful. <laughs>
2: I used to have, like, all of high school was dreams of my perfect wedding. Like, literally. <laughs> I, would, I would dream about it. Like, when in bed at night, dream about getting married to Elijah Woods.
1: Wow. I'm not yeah. telling him, I'm not telling him that. <laughs> no, don't tell him that. No, don't tell him that. Just
2: tell him hi. Love say hi.
1: I will. I will. But okay. well, guys, thank you so much and if you made it this far into this yay good for you you're true fans you must like us a lot more you must like you us, us a lot yeah well thank you again for listening and we will be back next week on fangirl radio with our special extended edition apparently this is new now with Thane that we're going to do for youtube so okay. you're thank- welcome you're, welcome. you're all- yeah you got more of us because that's what you want to do is hear more of us talk for hours on end all right guys thank you again for listening and we'll see you next week on fangirl radio